is up, everybody? My name is Jake, and I am here with some of my uh, my best friends, uh, Scott Tyler, and uh, friend of the show Zach. And we're going to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he qualifies as a co-host yet. Um, when yeah. when do I make it into as co-host? I think when you've said about thirty minutes of stuff on the podcast total. Okay. Yeah. I'll try my best. I don't know if either of us have made it there yet, Jake. I don't know. We got <laughs> I think Tyler's the only, uh, Tyler he's just the, the host, and we're all friends of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that intro was, uh, I, if you couldn't tell, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, what we're going to be talking about today, which uh, it was quiet and mostly music, kind of like <laughs> a lot of this movie, which uh, I don't think mm. is the worst thing. But I think we're gonna hear differently from uh, <laughs> my friends here. <laughs> well, uh, we are talking about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you couldn't tell from that opening little stinger, uh, we decided to go with that because uh, try as we may, we couldn't find anything better to open with because I think that they were about as allergic to dialogue in this movie as like a Terrence Malick film. Well, that was actually, I think, because... So they didn't do any of the sound recording live, because uh, that's apparently how you made Italian movies back in that time. And so they were dubbing over, and it was easier to dub over... I Sorry, it was easier to fill a lot of this with just soundtrack than to dub over a ton of dialogue. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they're right. It was easier. <laughs> <laughs> and easier is always better, right, Ty? Oh, yeah. It was much harder for me to find anything usable, though. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we uh, were. I, I'm actually happy we're doing this movie. Um, Jake nominated it, and uh, so in just a second, we'll we'll hear kind of some more from him about uh, you know why he nominated the movie and some of his thoughts. But a little bit of just the facts: this was directed by Sergio Leone uh, and written by Luciano Vincenzi. Vincenzoni, sorry. You're sorry, doing a much better job than I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no, earlier before recording, Jake was uh, uh, trying to say Sergio Leone's name, and I think it was Leone. I, was I wasn't trying to say Leone. I was just saying Leone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was released December 23rd, 1966. Um it did $25 million in uh, domestic box office. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't look, but I also didn't see uh, what this did in Italy because this was, you know, a spaghetti western. And so it was released uh, in Italy and in the United States, which we'll talk a lot about. Um, but it did $25 million in the U.S. on a $1.2 million budget, which is pretty solid. Return. Pretty solid. Uh, the other guys gave this a 97% on wow. Rotten Tomatoes, which is, yeah, which is really uh, very high. That's super high. And uh, IMDb gave this an 8.8, .8, which is, I believe, our highest IMDb rated movie mm -hmm. that we've reviewed. Oh, is it? Yeah, this is, so. a, this is in the top 10 rated movies on IMDb. I think it's like number nine or something like that, or eight. Wow. This rounds out my top 10. I've now seen the top 10 uh, IMDb movies. So I've been meaning to get to this for a long time. So I'm glad we did it too. Yeah. And what are the top 10 oh. IMDb movies? Let me Sorry, check. Um, well, Zach's looking that up. Uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, this uh, received zero 
nominations. The highest the IMDb uh, rated movie that has not gotten Oscar nomination, I think. That's crazy. I've got that so list when you guys crazy. are ready for it, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so Shawshank Redemption is number one <coughs> with a 9.2. Godfather is number two with a 9.1. Godfather Part 2 is number three with a 9. The Dark Knight is number four with a nine. Ooh. Twelve Angry Men is number five with an eight point nine. Schindler's List is number six with an eight point nine. Lord of the Rings: Return of the King is number seven with an eight point nine. Pulp Fiction is number eight with an eight point eight. Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is number nine with an eight point nine. And number ten is Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring eight point eight. Lord of Rings is on there twice? Yeah. 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 Uh, I've now seen all of these as well. I haven't seen The Godfather's um, or Schindler's List, actually. I have not seen Schindler's List either. Uh, please don't and make I've me do I've only seen part of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do Pulp Fiction soon. Yeah, I think I so, would, too. Jake, have you seen 12 Angry Men? Uh, I have seen 12 Angry Men. It's been such a long time Zach? that I... Oh, yeah, you guys are both... Dang, bummer. Yeah. We've all seen it. I mean, it's definitely a movie our listeners should have seen already. So if mm-hmm. you haven't, definitely watch it. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say real quick, I've had a couple of people reach out and say, like, how do you guys pick these movies? And so I think we established it in our like little trailer podcast we did forever ago. But um, in case someone missed that, we are not picking movies that we have all seen before. So that's kind of like our, our little uh, rule. Like if, if we have all seen it before, we don't pick that movie. That's off the table. Um, that's why we're kind of bypassing these other great movies that I've had some friends recommend to me. Yeah, and, and thank you guys for your recommendations. Keep sending us stuff that, uh, that you think we should review. And if at least one of us has not seen it before, uh, we will watch it uh, together and uh, and. Give a little review about it. It's always fun to see things I haven't seen before. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, it's hard for me to well, be Well, it's honest. not always fun. I didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's hard for me sometimes because I watch so many movies. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I've probably seen more movies out of the four of us. I think you've seen yeah, more movies than us three combined. I've seen like the same seven movies over and over again <laughs> on a Saturday morning in my underwear. <laughs> uh, so it's hard for me sometimes to like see a new movie, and so like to you know with uh, with this episode getting to review good good the bad and the ugly round out my IMDb top ten. Uh, it's it's awesome. I'm excited about it. Scott, is it is it weird to watch movies uh, without commercial breaks? Like to be watching these movies, be like, oh, that's where they <laughs> cut to commercial. What I do is I pause it and then I walk into my pantry <laughs> and I just look at different things and start reading the labels, <laughs> and then I uh, go to the bathroom and then I come back and play the movie. Again. Gotcha. Is it also weird to watch yeah. them? I'm assuming not in your underwear. I don't know what goes on in the the shooting. No, I I go into full. I go into underwear for sure. Okay. When every time I watch a movie, it freaks Tyler out a little bit, but and probably everybody else at the movie theaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone at the movies. No, they're actually pretty cool with it. It's just Tyler. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm the only one who gets upset. I don't know how he uh, convinced these people that the rest of the people that this is okay, but it's not. <laughs> All right, Jake, you nominated this movie. Give us some of your feedback and uh, why you uh, nominated. Yeah, it. I love this. This is one of my all-time favorite movies uh i think it's a 
really good adventure, kind of epic. Um, I don't, I was going to say, uh, I forgot the word, like an odyssey or whatever, adventure to, I'm, I'm just rambling now. I love this movie. That's, uh, that's all I'm going to say. And then we'll get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, we were all three. Uh, the rest of us were all late bloomers on. What this, do you guys correct? have against uh, Clint so. Eastwood? One, he's not a good actor. Mm. Yeah. Two, uh, he did his best work after he became senile. Yeah. I think I actually think that uh, like my hot take on Clint Eastwood is that Clint Eastwood is a vastly better director than he is an actor. I like Cl- I would agree with that. I like Clint Eastwood a lot. I Clint Eastwood kind of reminds me of um, the same reason I love Ryan Gosling. He kind of plays the same character in everything he does, but I think he does it really well, and I always enjoy watching that character in whatever movie he's doing. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so, since we are all three late bloomers, uh, let's start with you, Zach. What do you think of this movie? Um, it, you know, I enjoyed, I think I enjoyed my experience watching the movie rather than I like enjoyed the movie itself. Um, it's always cool to watch a movie this iconic, you know, and this important and, um, kind of see the ways that it has left its mark on other movies that have followed and other directors that have followed. And so just that in itself made it worth the watch to me and made me enjoy watching it. Um, and uh, I loved the music. I think that was my favorite aspect of watching this movie. Um, anytime I see a movie that Ennio uh, Morricone has scored, uh, I think he always knocks it out of the park. Um, well, fun fact, Jake, I know you mentioned in a previous episode that you love the hateful eight. Did you know that he scored that movie? No, I really love that movie and the score of that I, movie. That's, uh, I think he came out of retirement to do it. Um, like I remember when, when it came out, it was like a really big deal that Quentin was able to get him and I wasn't really familiar with who he was at the time. Um, so yeah. And I, th- I thought he did a great job with that movie too. Um, I didn't love that it was three hours long. It felt very <laughs> long to me. And I feel like I enjoyed each hour less and less. Like the first hour I was <laughs> I was into it. I really was enjoying it. Second hour I was kinda like, all right, like I'm kinda ready, ready for this to kind of start picking up or just kinda get get to it. And then the third hour was pretty tough for me to get through and um it felt very slow. And I don't necessarily like uh, that's not a knock to the movie itself because I'm comparing it to how I've been conditioned to think that movies should be paced with the way that movies are paced nowadays, typically. Um, but nonetheless, it was it was tough for me to get through it. It felt very slow. And uh, there's there's a lot of scenes without dialogue where it felt like there was a lot that could have been trimmed to just kind of make it feel like it, it could just get to the point a little bit better. Um, but overall I enjoyed the experience of watching it. I don't think I'll ever like watch it again on purpose. Um, but I'm glad that you picked it, Jake. I, there were certain scenes that I really enjoyed watching. Um, I know you, you other guys really didn't love the overdub. I actually thought that that was like almost like it kind of added to its charm. I thought it was kind of fun to watch the overdub. Um, yeah, I didn't hate it. But I didn't also, like, it's not going to be a movie I'm going to go back to anytime soon. 
Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I I mostly agree with you, Zach. Uh, I thought that it was. I'm glad that I saw it. Uh, I'm glad that I have. You know. Uh, I'm glad that I understand so many references and seriously, so many times throughout this film, uh, I saw so much of where Tarantino has gotten his influence, not just for his, uh, you know, not just for his like kind of more Western set films like Hateful Eight um, or Django, but uh, just in general, like I saw a lot of influence from Sergio Leone in uh, in Tarantino's work. And so that was just kind of fun to see. Like, uh, you know, Leone was uh, a master in his own right. And uh, so this was an important film to see. Uh, and it was a lot of fun for the most part. It was just, yeah, the overdub was tough for me. Um, at f- like, And it, it felt like it only got worse as the movie went on. And it's just because there was more dialogue as the movie <laughs> went on. Uh, like there were a couple of scenes of some more densely packed dialogue that I don't mean it was densely packed. It wasn't, I just mean more densely packed dialogue. Uh, and, and those were some of the scenes where it was real tricky. Uh, and I think, uh, Jake, you sort of mentioned that, uh, you know, the entire movie was overdubbed, which is not super uncommon for this era. It's uncommon that the entire movie was. Uh, like, there was a lot of overdubbing happening in the 1960s in filmmaking, especially on location shoots, uh, just because, uh, like, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, you don't have a very controlled audio environment. And back in the day, they just didn't have very good... Uh, they didn't have as good audio capture technology, um, where, like, you know, film was always great. And like film, like film technology has not evolved a whole lot, like since the 1960s. And so we can have the, you know, this movie remastered and it looks incredible on our 4K TV. Like it looks really good, but the audio is just never going to be able to, to live up to that. Um, and so uh, anyway, like the overdub was a little tricky for me, but I will say, uh, the one thing you didn't mention yet, Jake, is that uh, everyone spoke Italian. Well, not everybody <laughs> spoke Italian, but um, only five actors in this movie spoke English. Uh, just Clint, the three principal actors, Clint Eastwood, uh, Eli Wallach, and um, Lee Van Cleef, and then two minor characters in the movie, the one-armed man and um, the sheriff. Everybody else spoke Spanish, Italian, German, something like that. And um, I guess they were just saying whatever they wanted. Because or I don't know that they're really maybe they're following the script in Spanish, but I don't know how. But that would really help. I'll tell you what the worst one was. Uh, the character that was just introduced like once. He was a Confederate soldier named Shorty. Uh, he had no legs. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was definitely he the walked, worst. Like he was so it was so bad. Like like he was my favorite character. Like I told Scott. I was like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then that happened. I was like, okay, that, that's pretty bad. <laughs> worse than him was uh, the union captain that they met. His oh, was, yeah. I think, the most noticeable for me. Like, I hardly notice it anymore. I don't, I, I just overlook it entirely. But every time I watch yeah. that scene, I'm like, oh my gosh, you could have synced this up a little bit. 
Jake went. Yeah, so I kind of. Do you want to have Jake talk? I was just going to ask Jake. Can I give my review? Oh, yeah, that's right. Go for it, Scott. (laughs) Um, I I do agree with a lot of what you said, Zach. I thought it was way too long. I think you could easily cut an hour out of this movie and it would make just as much sense um, and be just as good. Uh, And I think the dubbing for me was super distracting. Um, so I couldn't get into the movie. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I watched it in Italian with subtitles. Hmm. Like, and not had the distraction of, like, trying to read lips and it being in well, English. the Italian was overdubbed as well. Everything was overdubbed. Yeah, but I'm not going to try to understand the Italian. No. Uh. The Italian, w- oh, I see what I'm you I'm saying, mean. like, have them actually speaking Italian. I'm not trying to pay attention to what they're saying. Right, but they're, like, they're not really speaking Italian the whole movie. I know, but I'm saying I, w- I wouldn't think about it if it was in another language. I would just be reading the subtitles and not looking at their mouths. Okay. Even though the overdub would still not match their mouth? It would be significantly less distracting for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it was in another language, I for sure would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are, I mean, besides that, I also thought the acting was just whatever. So it was just very medium for me. Jake uh, went. I, I'm yeah. just trying to get my 30 minutes in, so I can, so I can <laughs> become a certified host. Yeah. No, I wanted to ask Jake when, like, when were you introduced to this movie? When, when did you first see this movie? I don't know. I mean, pro- oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't know if that's getting picked up, but uh, Pedro, a little bit. Pedro's going off in the background <laughs> uh, <laughs> from my work. Uh, yeah, it sounds like there's like a fire drill or something in your apartment. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but when was I introduced to... Th- I don't know that I remember the first time I saw this movie. Um, the first time I really sat down... Like, I watched it probably when I was a kid with my dad on TV because he loves Westerns, and that's probably why I love Westerns. Um, but I think the first time I sat down and really watched it and really enjoyed it and remembered it was my freshman year of college. I went back and watched it. I saw, like, a DVD box set we had of um, Clint Eastwood movies. I was like, I want to watch this one again. And I watched it and immediately I loved it again. Mm. I just, so it's been in the last few years that I, this became one of my favorites, but I'd seen it a lot. So uh, why don't, uh, Jake, why don't you just kind of start taking us through and and we'll, we'll jump in, you know, if you get a little lost in it, but why don't you start uh, walking us through kind of the, the play by play? Um, yeah. So a uh, few things happen early on. It's interesting, Zach, that you said the first hour was your favorite because about half of that was credits. Uh, the credits went on <laughs> for so long. Um, it was, it was three minutes on the, on the nose. Like, I don't know if they tried to make it three minutes on purpose or what, but I've never seen something like like an opening credit that was exactly a minute mark. Yeah, I skipped all the credits, too, so I don't really attribute that to the first hour. I didn't, and I don't know why. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, okay, surely it'll be over soon. And then that just didn't happen. Um, But then we're introduced first, actually, to Tuco. You know, I think... uh, during the credits, I that's when I got up and I went in my pantry and I started reading the labels <laughs> to things. And that was your commercial break. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, but we're introduced to Tuco, who is dubbed the Ugly, which is interesting. I don't know who signs up to play the Ugly in a movie. Uh, I was so uh, curious about that. Like, it, I it correct me like if I'm missing some historical context on this, but like what. What constitutes a character to be titled the ugly? And, like, what does that mean? 
Like I'm just picturing I, this like this they're pitching this movie and they're like, all right, we have three main characters. One of them's gonna be the good, one's gonna be the bad, and they're like, what's the third one? Well, he'll be the ugly. And they're like, oh yeah, the ugly. Okay, yeah, every movie needs one of those. I think they actually had the movie filmed before they chose that as the title. I think it had a different title at first. I think that most movies do. Most movies have a working title. Yeah, I think that Leone was going to call it uh, The Magnificent Rogues or Two Magnificent Rogues, I think is what I read he was going to call it. And then he ended up in a pitch meeting having a stroke of inspiration or something and deciding to call it The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, but uh, Interesting. In in uh, It was you know a re- released in Italy as uh, Il Buono, Il Bulto, Il Cattivo. Which I assume just means the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'll I'll trust that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're introduced to him. Some bounty hunters look like they're gonna take him down, and then he comes. They go into a house. Gunshots go off, and then he breaks through a window. It's uh, still holding a turkey leg, which has got to be full of glass. And uh, he didn't use the door, which I was thinking about. I was like, I think everybody in there's dead. I don't know why you didn't just walk away. Uh, and then that <laughs> it cuts away, and we are introduced to. He's um, pretty dumb. Oh yeah, he is. Like the movie, like makes it pretty obvious that he is not an intelligent person. Yeah. Um, so then we have another introduction to uh, Angel Eyes, who is the bad, who I also don't think gets a proper name in this movie. I think everybody just calls him Angel Eyes, uh, and I think that he is probably uglier than Tuco, myself, but. Uh, I don't know how he got a nickname like that. His eyes hard disagree. Really good, yeah. I think Tuco is definitely the ugliest. I think uh, that was pretty accurate. All right, um, he is he is in Mexico and he looks like he's just here to bother a poor farmer, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> he um, he comes in and they have this exchange and it seems like somebody has sent him to kill this farmer, and then he tips him off about some buried gold uh, accidentally. He thought that was what he was looking for. And then he just kind of plays it off. Like that is what he was looking for. Um, And he gives him a name and then he, uh, he kills him. Uh, Angel eyes kills this farmer and then goes back to his employer and kills him because our farmer offered him a thousand dollars in gold or some in gold, some in bonds to go back and kill the guy that uh, sent him to kill him. And he always, completes a job once he's paid he always yeah once he's paid he always he always gets his man he has some sense of honor i guess to murder both of them Um, (laughs) some sense of honor and or bloodlust yeah that that might be it uh (laughs) because he also killed one of the farmer's sons for good measure I don't think he needed to kill that <laughs> <Yeah>. kid. <laughs> I don't think so either. I felt super weird about that as soon as he came down. Like I was like, "Oh, he's definitely gonna be the bad." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that was when I knew when he killed the kid. Uh, I guess it was like self defense. The kid came down with a rifle, but mm-hmm. but he killed him immediately. Like there was no, "Hey, I've got you." Lay down your he gun. He was like Steve like, Zizzo ready to spear gun, <laughs> spear gun that kid in the life aquatic. <laughs> <laughs> Except for he just did it. <laughs> he, he didn't have a bill there to stop him. That's true. No one had to tell <laughs> him that he's that a friend. Was, uh, that kid was one of only three of the 
uh, kills he has in that movie, right? Yeah. Didn't he have less uh, murders so than everyone Clint else? So Clint Eastwood is dubbed the good, and we're introduced to him in the next scene, but it's interesting. He kills more than the bad and the ugly combined. Uh, <laughs> so the ugly kills three... I'm sorry. Angel Eyes kills three people. He's the bad. Uh, Tuco kills six people, and he's the ugly. And uh, the good, Clint Eastwood, kills 11 people in this movie. That's so... That's interesting. I uh, I watched this YouTube video last night that was kind of distinguishing between like the spaghetti westerns and then at the time the classic Hollywood westerns, and it was kind of talking about how in the spaghetti westerns a lot of times the protagonist isn't like as clear cut of a good guy as they are in the Hollywood uh, westerns. So it's interesting you bring that up how he's the good, and he actually kills more people than either of the other two. Um, it was interesting to, to hear how in the Hollywood ones, the good guys were always like super handsome, very clean cut. Uh, <clears throat> they had a little bit more like straightforward orchestral scores. Um, and in the spaghetti Westerns, they have like the Ennio Morricone, like weird twangy, uh, kind of over the top scores that you, that you heard at the very beginning of this podcast. Um, the uh, the protagonists are scruffier. They're that. not as like handsome or clean. Yeah. Handsome, they're a little dirty. Yeah, comparing these movies comparing are a little Clint Eastwood in this movie to like John Wayne. Like John Wayne is always like clean shaven, yeah. very handsome. Like you know, even like Tom Mix. You know, yeah. all very like attractive guys. Mm-hmm. And not to say that Clint Eastwood isn't attractive, but he's definitely a rugged masculine, not pretty boy. Yeah, actually. So we. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was cool. It made me. Uh, it made me appreciate this movie more so because of that, or I guess just the spaghetti, spaghetti yeah, western um, genre we, as a so whole. So we actually get introduced to the good or uh, Blondie is what he's called in this movie. Blondie. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. This is a. The third movie in a trilogy of movies is a very loose trilogy, it seems to me, because uh, things like uh, Lee Van Cleef is in two of the movies, but he's playing different characters. And I don't know, the the basis of this being a trilogy is just that he Clint Eastwood dresses the same and acts the same and doesn't have a name. And has no name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's Blondie in this movie. And we see him... Uh, Gun, uh, like standing off with some bounty hunters who have just caught Tuco. And he kills the bounty hunters to get their bounty. He shoots three people uh, right off the bat. And that doesn't seem like a good guy move to me. And what especially doesn't seem like a good guy move to me is he brings Tuco in and he collects the bounty and then sets him free by uh, shooting the rope from the tree that he was going to be hanged on. And actually in that scene, uh, Eli Walash, he almost died three times probably making this movie. And this is one of them where the, the gunshot uh, spooked the horse that he was sitting on and he, the horse ran away, but his hands were tied behind his back. So he had to hold on with his knees to not fall off the horse and hurt himself or die. Oh wow! Um, and so he just does this scheme with Tuco. He splits the money with him and he takes him down to place to place and he frees him until he decides that uh, they're, the money's going to run out or they're not going to be able to do this anymore. So he keeps all the money from their last. Blondie, 
Blondie also That's always true. makes a point mm. to shoot mm. everyone's hats off, off too. It, I've noticed that these it, bullets must have been <laughs> cheap. Oh, yeah. They wasted a lot movie. of bullets in this Later movie. in the movie, he's just they uh, shoot everything. Shooting, he's shooting people and guns and hats into graves for uh, no reason. Uh, just <laughs> he didn't to want show to be off. out of the grave, dude. He just wanted to get back in the grave. Yeah, I guess. Um, that was the easiest, quickest way. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, but they, uh, he ends up dragging Tuco out, or he leaves him in the middle of the desert uh, to walk 70 miles back to town with no water. And that's how we're introduced to our hero, the good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our the good. He's killed multiple people, and he let someone to die of thirst out in the desert. And he robs so- the government. <laughs> So they have kind of a, Tuco and Blondie have kind of an interesting relationship, which is sort of like the basis for this movie. Uh, And we see it happen time and time again, and like sort of like double reverses. Uh, You know, Tuco kind of does the same thing to Blondie a little bit later. Um, But they have a very interesting relationship where they seem to be friends who are really terrible friends to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Like they're they're friends of, of fortune, uh, so whatever's in their own best interests, uh, whenever their interests are aligned, they're friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever their interests are not aligned, they're uh, like cruel and downright like uh, murderous of each other. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of, and this is, you guys might just think this is not true at all, but um, of uh, Braveheart when uh, him and Hom. Hamish first like see each other again after he's grown up and they kind of like compete with each other and throw rocks at each other and stuff. I, I feel like that was their friendship, but for the whole movie. Yeah. I, I feel like that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, except maybe uh, William and Hamish are like more genuinely friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not trying and, to uh, actually friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Tuco and Blondie are like the original frenemies. Mm. <clears throat> Uh, but, uh, we see this sort of play out a little bit more, uh, as, uh, Tuco, while trying to murder Blondie by walking a hundred miles through the desert, uh, comes upon, uh, a, uh, a Confederate stagecoach that has these, we skipped like 45 minutes of movie, I think it was a. I think that's okay. All right. yeah. I, let's, think, let's, I think that's was okay. Was there any major plot points we missed? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, there was. There was a quite More a bit dialogue. dialogue when Tugo is doing all that nonsense in the gun store. And, I, don't and think that we, I don't think that that has any bearing on the that's movie. That's not important. All right. <laughs> <This is laughs> the, so, the sooner uh, we get the plot, plot. The better. Uh, catching Blondie unaware isn't actually taking him. And he marches him through the desert and nearly kills him. Yeah, that's what I was just saying, though. Oh, you were saying they came across a Confederate train. Yeah, he got to that. Yeah, but I... Not I, a train, he said the, uh, the stagecoach. Stage that's, that's, you know... The stagecoach. Yeah. So, uh, what he was... he Like I said, <laughs> he was marching Blondie a th- hundred miles through the desert uh, in order to sort of reverse on, on Blondie what, what Blondie had done to him. Uh, and along the way, he comes across a uh, Confederate stagecoach. 
and he is introduced now to this character that we've been hearing a lot about from Angel Eyes' perspective, and that's Bill Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was like, oh man! Like as soon as he says name, I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm really liking this movie now. Like it, like was this. Uh, sort of like up in the air plot point that now we're actually going to really address. And uh, Bill Carson is, uh, all of his fellow soldiers are dead and uh, he's dying of thirst and he makes a bargain with Tuco that if you give me water, I'll tell you where this $200,000 of gold is buried. And uh, along the, sort of bumbling along the way, uh, Blondie ends up unbeknownst to Tuco, sneaking up, getting the information from Carson. And then I took it as that that Blondie killed Carson. I don't know what you guys thought. I, I thought he was dying, but he got he got half the information from Carson. I, I thought he just so died. Right. Tu, Tuco gets the name of the graveyard where the money is buried, and Blondie mm-hmm. gets the name on the grave. Yeah. And so they he Tuco now rushes to save Blondie, who he's tried to murder <laughs> very slowly. Uh <laughs> And ends up bringing him uh, under the guise of a Confederate soldier to a uh, a mission, where his brother mm-hmm. happens to be uh, in charge. I yeah, he was uh, in Tuco's words, he was the Pope of this mission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Blondie is nursed back to health, all the while Tuco's very stupidly trying to trick him into uh, telling him the name on the grave and then yeah. they decide to set out together again as Confederates, uh, which seems odd to me that I don't know if there were many, uh, like Mexican bandits in the Confederate army, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it doesn't one. seem like th- it doesn't seem like that would be true historically. Uh, and they, end not up much of it does. Uh, I think that they were were st- were Confederates, though they were continuing under that guise because they were going to be crossing back and forth over Union and Confederate lines. Um, but there was one thing that happened that I thought was super interesting. It's that uh, Tuco finally gets to you know talk with his brother, and his brother is clearly uh, disdainful of Tuco. Uh, you know, he tells Tuco that his par- that their parents are both dead. And uh, Tuco, you know, is sort of, you know, back in, in blonde or in uh, Tuco's brothers back in, in Tuco's face about it. Uh, anyway, I said that backwards twice, but uh, <laughs> Tuco is, is resentful of his brother for, for abandoning the family. And, and he essentially says, you know, I, I'm, I was abandoned because I had no other choice. And, uh, and when they leave, Blondie kind of overhears this whole conversation. And when they leave, Tuco uh, is just talking about how much his brother loves him and didn't want him to go. And, you know, that they could have stayed there forever and how much his brother appreciates him. And, and it was an interesting lie, mm. you know, and it was like an insight into Tuco's character where Tuco uh, and an interesting look into his relationship with Blondie, I felt like where like Tuco's always just lying to himself about the world. It's interesting. Um, I think Jake told us beforehand how uh, Clint Eastwood was not happy with this movie. Uh, one of the reasons being that his character was not nearly mm. as fleshed out as Tuco's. If you had told me beforehand that like the ugly 
out of the three characters that the ugly would be the most fleshed out character and would really kind of feel like the well, main he has character. actually the most I screen time in the movie. You. Uh, Clint Eastwood is top build, but uh, Eli Walash, I guess, has the most time on screen. So I, it makes sense. Like, he's the only one that gets any sort of character fleshing out. I think that's... Well, and it seems to me like the premise of the Man With No Name trilogy is that uh, Blondie, Clint Eastwood's character in this movie, but maybe by, pardon me, a different nickname in other movies, um, the whole point is that he's a mysterious character. Yeah, no one really knows who he is or where he came from. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, it needed, I mean, villains you don't, especially back then, you don't typically flesh out uh, and our main character is intentionally mysterious. And so you kind of need to go to, you know, really be an emotional anchor. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably why I like this movie so much better than the other two in the Dollars trilogy or Man With No Name trilogy, whatever you call it, um, is that there, it, it was mostly the Man With No Name by himself and there wasn't a lot maybe too attached to. I hadn't thought about that until we were talking mm. about it now, but I do I do like Tuco a lot, actually. So at the, the midpoint of the movie here, um, we have uh, uh, Tuco and uh, Blondie set out, and they almost immediately, it seems like, uh, get caught up uh, by Union soldiers. Well, it's really uh-huh. funny. It's uh, 100%... Tuco's fault because they're coming up mm-hmm. and then Blondie says like are they blue or gray and then Tuco <laughs> just sees them and assumes that they're gray and he says down with General Grant up with General Lee except for he can't remember either of their <laughs> names no he goes yeah he's like um, up with uh what's his name and, and then, then uh, has to tell him they, <laughs> they ride up and it turns out that it's uh, a bunch of Union soldiers covered in dust and yeah, they, they shake the dust off their univer- uniforms, and you just see more and more blue showing. It was it was actually a really good like comedic. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it was well written. It was a well funny executed. scene. Yeah, and so the the union now brings them in as prisoners of war, and they are in this POW camp where surprise, surprise, Angel Eyes is a sergeant in the Union Army, uh, and is yeah, just, <laughs> that was that caught me off guard. Yeah, he's uh, just. Beating and torturing inmates to get any sort of information. Was he he always wants. in the army, or did he like sneak his way into the? Yeah, army? that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I missed that. I missed that too. I, think he was I was like, how, how is he, he in this position now? Being bad whenever he wanted. Because it seemed like their uh, oh, commandant was disdainful of him, and he was trying to get evidence together to court martial him. Yeah, because he's beating uh, Tuco up, and one of the other PO uh, prisoners of wars out there says to um, Blondie, "Like you're lucky you're not in there." Kind of implying that yeah, like Angel yeah, has been around for a while. Beats them under like the guise of them playing mu- or like it tries to cover the sound of them being beat by having them play music, and then yeah. it's just as long as the song goes, as long as they get beat, mm-hmm. and so the the soldiers, I guess, all know that, and they're all c- crying, playing their instruments in this really interesting song. <laughs> I, I liked it, but it didn't seem, it seemed out of, out of left field a little bit. Yeah. It didn't seem, it didn't place well. Yeah. Um, and so angel eyes figures out 
or he somehow knows Tuco. I, they didn't really talk about how they know each other. Uh, no, they just go way back. Yeah, but Tuco has been passing off his name as Bill Carson, and Angel Eyes has been looking for Bill Carson to get information about the gold. And so he starts to try to beat the information out of Tuco, and he says he won't talk, he won't talk, and then he ends up talking uh, to not get hurt. And he tells him the name of the cemetery, which I think is Sad Hill Cemetery that they're going to be going to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even try to interrogate Blondie. He just brings him Yeah, along. I loved that. I love that. He says, you're not going to beat me. And he said, would you talk? And he says, no, probably not. He said, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so he, like he's I know a, a squealer when I see one. He's a villain who, he's a villain who I think respects his adversary. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't underestimate Blondie. And I think he does. I think he knows that he has like a sense of honor, even like later in the movie, they get to that standoff at the end. And, you know, I noticed that he, doesn't ever turn his back to Tuco because I think he's worried about Tuco shooting him in the back, but he just turns his back right on Blondie. I think so. I think he knows who he is. I mean, like he's yeah. estimated him pretty well. Um, but so he takes Blondie out to go find the treasure with him, and they send Tuco to get the bounty collected on him to get the three thousand dollars or whatever it is that's on his head. <laughs> um, and he gives Blondie a gun, which I think was a weird decision, but he gives him back his clothes and his gun. Um, and they set off with, actually they set off by themselves, but they're followed by, I think six of angel, Five. yeah, uh, angel eyes friends. And then, uh, Tuco's taken on a train and he manages to get away from the big dude that he shackled to. And, uh, he beats <laughs> well, him. It's cause he was pissing out the side of the, yeah. <laughs> and then just the train and then just pulls him off the train with him. <laughs> and then he just bashes his head in with a rock. Um, and, but he can't get the shackles free. And so he ends up dragging him up to a train track and Tyler looks exasperated that I'm telling this story. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it because it was another time where Eli Walash was almost killed making this movie was a train. Oh, oh. well, a train passed right over his head and the step, he he wasn't told how low the step was going to be and it missed his head by a few inches, the train running over his head like that. Um, Jeez. Yeah, they really didn't care about his safety very much. Um. <laughs> it's one of one of the benefits of making a film in in uh, Italy is there's no unions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then so he gets away and tries to reunite with Blondie and Angel Eyes, who are in some town getting shelled, getting Cleaned like up. bombed by the union. I'm trying to remember how yeah. they got there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so. Angel Eyes, I don't know how he did this, but he hears Tuco shooting somebody in the town far away, and he knows that it's Tuco. <laughs> He's talking to a cat, and he says... In the middle of a war, yeah. he knows that those gunshots are Tuco. <laughs> every yeah. gun has he its has own very tune. distinct guns. Um, and so they reunite and kill all of Angel Eyes' friends, and, but Angel Eyes gets away. And then they get swept into another... Uh, thing because of Stugo, Tuco's stupidness where he volunteers them to join the Union Army. Yeah. Um, and they're in this battle and they're going <laughs> to... They're, def- they're fighting over a bridge that apparently, according to the Union captain, is to nothing and it doesn't matter. But uh, everybody's dying over it and he just wants to blow it up. And they decide that they're just going to blow the bridge. Um, and this leads to the third time that Eli Walash and Clint Eastwood this time almost died, where they blow the bridge 
and uh, they were just standing there, apparently, while they were blowing the bridge and uh, where they were hunkered down. <laughs> and a piece of shrapnel, a fist-sized piece of shrapnel, landed within feet of Clint Eastwood's head uh, no. after they blew the bridge. So it just... Wasn't there some kind of like an issue with the bridge getting blown up uh, ye- off yes. camera and then they had to rebuild it? So the Italian army, I'm sorry, the, 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 the Spanish army was helping them with this scene and they were supposed to blow the bridge. And the uh, the car, the go word for blowing the bridge was supposed to be via, I guess, for the the Spanish captain to blow the bridge. And then what ended up happening... Which literally just means go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what ended up happening was... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. A little bit yeah. more specific. Like blow it up with now. Their, uh... <laughs> uh, but what ended up happening was another crew member on the same radio channel uh, ended up saying via via, telling somebody like they're good to go, like start the scene. And then the captain heard that and blew the bridge and <laughs> they were not filming it. And so uh, Leona ended up firing the the crew member who said it and the Spanish army felt so bad that they decided to rebuild the bridge if he rehired their crew member and blow it again. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure that if, obviously, if the, the crew member was saying via via, uh, he was probably Spanish. He was probably one of the, the Spanish crew members on this largely <clears throat> Italian crew. And I'm, sur- I'm sure the Spanish army was like, oh, man, we got our own countryman fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, like, I don't know how they made this movie. Like, Leone didn't speak English, and uh, Walash Tuco didn't speak Italian, but they both happen to speak French, and so that's how they talk to each other throughout the movie. Well, it's kind of funny. I've spent a little bit of time in Europe, not a ton, but, you know, a few weeks here and there. <laughs> and uh, it is funny that in Europe, like, so many people speak multiple languages. Like, mm-hmm. it's very common in Europe to be a German who also speaks French and Italian or vice versa. Um, like, it's very common to, like, in Europe encounter someone in a country not speak the same language but you both speak like as a second language another language and then you can kind of make it work yeah that was uh i I guess fortunate for them i think i don't know i think Walash was american but still yeah i think he was american Um, as well they get away and i guess to jump ahead a little bit because there is a lot of this movie um they are Finally. Also, it's not jumping ahead that much. Yeah. They finally <laughs> are coming up to the graveyard. Um, they're very close. And um, they're running up, and this is just a little side note interesting, but uh, he Clint Eastwood picks up his poncho off of a dying Confederate soldier, which is the same poncho he wore in all of these movies without washing one time. Um, <laughs> so that was another time he almost died then from, like, a disease. Yeah. <laughs> From scabies. Well, also a disease <laughs> where he just gave this dying guy a drag of a cigar in the they back used... of his mouth. <laughs> Gross to me. Are you implying that they <laughs> use yeah, real dead so. soldiers as I mean, props? They, they actually killed black someone <laughs> just to film that scene. Um, and so we get to the last... They get to the graveyard and... Tuco's run, decides to run ahead and still try to beat Blondie there. But I don't know what his plan was because he still had to dig up a grave. Um, and he digs up the grave of the name that uh, Blondie gave him, and there's nothing inside. There's an actual skeleton, which seems like quick decomposition. But um, 
And that's when Clint Eastwood reveals that he did not actually tell him the real name on the grave and Angel Eyes shows up. Um, and they have their big final standoff and Blondie shoots Angel Eyes and then he shoots Angel Eyes. Oh, actually, Angel Eyes falls into a grave conveniently dug there and then he shoots his gun into the grave and his hat just to flex on him, I guess. You skipped the, um, the like eight and a half minutes of music while they were doing the standoff. <laughs> that was pretty important. Uh, like the, the yeah. close-in, close-up shots on the eyes. Um, mm-hmm. But, and later it's revealed that... Uh, Built tension. Blondie had just unloaded Tuco's gun the night before. And Tuco didn't have yeah. any bullets. Uh, Which I, I took as like uh, uh, Blondie actually like, once again, like honoring his friend. Like he didn't want Tuco to have bullets because he didn't want to actually have to be in a fight with Tuco. Uh, like I took it as like his way of, of like, Mm. you know, maintaining that relationship and maintaining his friend's life. Yeah. But then he like hangs well, him. But he comes back and does not I don't think he does. I think it was the same thing as in the beginning. Well, uh, maybe. I think it's also the same thing as, yeah. like, the beginning of the movie where he just, like, leaves him in the desert. Like, I think he's like, well, uh, you're going to be fine, but mm-hmm. I want you to kind of feel like, you know. I think it's, like, uh, like a really extreme practical joke that he keeps playing on Tuco. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a solid joke. <laughs> Do you remember that time? That's a good joke. I've almost died four times now. You know, well, uh, like actually... A w- <laughs> It's it's funny. I, let me okay. say real quick. I remember I need to get my thirty minutes in. Um, it's funny watching this, and Tyler kind of brought up earlier, like seeing its inspiration in other stuff. Um, have you guys all? Wa- I know Tyler, uh, you yeah. have. Have you guys all watched Community? They do like two full episodes that is like completely um, parroting the Man with No Name trilogy. And uh, even in one of the other paintball episodes, uh, one of the like themes is un- like unknowingly unloading another person's gun, and so it's kind of funny to see that yeah. that motif in this and as honestly, well. Honestly, the I, I I've only seen this now. I haven't seen any of the other Man with No Name movies. If you did not like this one, don't watch the other ones. I'm not planning on it, uh, but but the first one is a an hour and forty five minutes. You mean how long this one should have been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, like Zach kind of mentioned, though, uh, we uh, they they get the gold, and Blondie sort of sort of double crosses Tuco again, and and puts him in a noose, but leaves the money for him. Yeah, he leaves, leaves him half the half gold. the gold in a bag, and then split open. I don't know how he's gonna get that. Yeah. Home. And then rides away and then comes back and, and like they've done a million times before, shoots the shoots the rope in the noose. Talking about... Wasn't this another time that he almost died? Yeah. Well, There's a um, dog. That is, they too. apparently put some acid on the bags of gold to make them rip easier, but they left it in bottles of lemon soda. And so Eli, Eli Walash poured a glass and drank it <laughs> and he drank and he had a bunch of acid in his mouth. And so then he spit it out and I guess he had to drink a bunch of milk to neutralize the acid and, uh, I had to film the last couple scenes with a bunch of sores in his mouth. Um, Oh, <laughs> that's miserable. Yeah. He had a rough time. This, this was, movie. 
I was gonna say this was not a. I I'm, I doubt Eli Walosh looked back at this movie with uh, mm. at, at the production of this movie with a with a whole lot of like fond memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I love how Clint Eastwood is upset that he's not the one who like got his uh, like he doesn't like how he's portrayed in this movie. Where Eli had to go through <laughs> way more crap. Like he he definitely yeah, well, earned also, the the spotlight on this movie. Apparently not like showing up for work because they delayed the film until he got a two hundred fifty thousand dollars signing bonus and a new Ferrari to start filming. Oh my gosh! I think that Clint Eastwood <laughs> is just a like a a big ponce. Like he's just so like uh like he's so bratty and like entitled and and cocky and egocentric like that's all i've learned from what we've learned about the making of this movie and the making of dirty harry is that clint eastwood is he just, just plays himself in his movies <laughs> that's yeah. why i love him he's like samuel l jackson <laughs> just plays the same character in every movie and he's himself uh but yeah so uh speaking of shots that could have been cut out there was about five minutes i feel like of him riding away at the end of the movie, <laughs> that aerial shot. That it's like roll, roll, roll credits. I, like, just I stopped done. watching. Be done. Uh, and then, you know, we're done. We see the good, the bad, and the ugly one more time. Angel lies in his grave, and Tugo just abandoned in the desert, and the good riding away with the money. It's a real good guy. <laughs> a real good guy. Uh, By the way, <laughs> I looked it up, and uh, it's kind of funny. The Italian uh, title for this movie that I, I res- that I read earlier um, for ugly the the actual translation in Italian is the gross, which I feel like would have been <laughs> so, way much better. so much cooler. The good, the bad, and the gross. Actually, wasn't it the good, the gross, and the bad? Wasn't well, the last two like reversed? Yeah, it was reversed. It was uh, it was the good, the gross, and the bad. Um, but I think that's more of like a uh, Italian syntax thing. Mm. Like you know, like it, in Italian syntax, it, it would still be the good, the bad, and the ugly. Got it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, that's kind of the play by play. Does anybody have any favorite parts or favorite lines? Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess the only part I really was, like, okay about <laughs> was uh, when they come up on the uh, the soldiers and he says that they're wearing yeah. gray and he does that whole thing. That was the only, I think, scene of the movie where I was like, okay. High praise from yeah. Scott. I really liked it when the, when the credits started, too. That yeah, the great. one scene he's okay about. Uh, yeah, for me... Uh, I, it's it's hard to find a favorite line. When they didn't talk. When there's <laughs> I not a lot. One, though. <laughs> yeah. And I, I this is one.